Sword of Omens, come to my hand. I, Lionel, command it. I also command that you keep listening to Adrian Has Issues. Everybody, welcome to Adrian Has Issues. Today's guests, uh, well, two guests to be exact. One I'm meeting for the first time. Another I'm catching up with. We had met. This is wow, going back to special edition NYC. Uh, that was what 2015, if I'm not mistaken. She is the uh, co-founder of Grub Machine, as well as a cool comic called Eventide. And I'm speaking with her and also the co-creator of both Grub Machine and Eventide, the comic. But um, please welcome Kim Gain to Sean Lanier. Kim, Sean, how are you two? I'm pretty good. How are you? We're doing well. We're doing well. We've been talking on and off for like the past couple of years. And when I very first heard about this comic, like I couldn't wait to have you on to talk about it. In a way, it's really we're catching up since we do at least have that rapport. And I'm so glad we got a chance to sit down and really get into this book. And I mean, the creative team itself is pretty awesome. Obviously, you have uh, Kim and Sean, you two are writing and editing this book. Sean Dillon, who has actually been on the show before, on an episode entitled The World According to Maggie, uh, based on a comic he uh, drew, Sweetie. And um, Marcus Kaiser, who is your editor. And I've just been checking out like the stuff through social media and the covers and... This looks like a lot of fun, and of course, with Halloween being here, this is like the perfect comic to sort of usher that in. So um, I guess, well, first and foremost, before we even get into the comic, I'm actually really want to get into Grub Machine and the mission statement, because for a company, that's a pretty awesome name, and I think people need to know that story, because I think it's kind of interesting. Okay. It started because I kind of feel like everybody has a fan bot, is what I kind of call them inside of them. And I think that if we keep that fanbot fed, it feeds back into our own creative innovations. So I'm a writer because I read, you know? And so we have to kind of keep that fan fed at all times. We have to devour books, devour movies and television shows and animation. And we kind of have to consistently and continuously feed this guy inside of us in order to make what it is that we make. And so... That's kind of how Grub Machine started. It's a little robot who likes to eat, which I can relate to because I, I love to eat. So it works. Sean, so were you at the beginning of this or did you come in later on? The beginning of Grub Machine, I was there at the beginning because we. Um, she already had the idea for the comic and she was already kind of going along that and uh, creating that and bringing that up. But um, we met each other in uh, at our, our last job, uh, Mars Noble. <laughs> Reading again, Good it comes times. back up. But um, <laughs> we kind of met there and then we decided, you know what, let's, let's, let's really actually do this. And then through a serious process of events and stuff like that, Grub Machine came out. And yeah, so at the beginning of Grub Machine, I was there. Um, and now I'm kind of helping co-create this wonderful world of Eventide that I hope everyone's going to love. So now with the comic, if you guys wouldn't mind getting into Eventide and what that's all about. I wrote Eventide, or I started writing Eventide in the 10th grade <laughs> it was a while ago. And um, it's been a while, but I started writing it because I was babysitting a kid at the time. I went to boarding school in New York, and um, at the time I was babysitting this kid, and his name was Jake Singer. And 
he was the most adorable little 10-year-old, red-headed, blue-eyed kid in the world. And we used to just watch Avatar episodes and laugh a lot and just kind of go on these little adventures around his house. And one day he actually asked me, he's like, why don't you just do this? And I was like, do what? He's like, write stories. And that's kind of how this whole thing was born, which is why Connor, my main character in Eventide, is a blue-eyed redhead for Jake. But essentially, it's a story about five kids who really don't know each other and don't really get along and how they're kind of forced into this save-the-world business. Um, they're a yukai, and they eat human souls at nighttime. And so even beyond kind of the cool aspect of yokai, what they are, where they're from and stuff, you kind of get the whole be a teenager from nine to five and then save the world all night long. But you still have school and you still have teenage problems. You still have to get along. You still argue with your teachers. You still have family drama and stuff like that. So as much as it's a story about action and as much adventure as they go on, it's also about who these kids are as people and all the lessons that they're going to learn and all the things that they're going to have to go through as they kind of wrap their head around the fact that the world isn't what they thought it was, that there are creatures out there and that people are dying and that they can stop it. So it's like all the awesome aspects of Power Rangers, but it's like, it's a little more mature. We definitely get into some heavier topics and heavier stuff and um, people die, you know, <laughs> like people are going to die in a comic. So it, it gets that sort of level of realism to it. Spoiler alert. <laughs> when the Power Rangers movie was uh, rebooted earlier this year, I thought it would be really cool to sort of bring in a little bit more realism to realize, you know, if you think about it, these are kids. These are children who still have yet to learn about the world and they're fighting, you know, otherworldly monsters and watching their own towns get destroyed. It's kind of nuts. Like that's gotta be pretty crazy for you know, a young person had to deal with that, you know, so heavy. So I kind of like that, at least with this story, with as vibrant as the art is and, like, as colorful as the characters are, you know, there's that sense of realness to it. And I, I think that's really cool. Yeah, definitely. Definitely the, the, uh, the way we were trying to portray this. Um, a, a creepy but cool but interesting kind of uh, story. Um, stories that we ourselves uh, fall in love with. I think that's sweet that you kind of paid tribute to this kid. I mean, I don't know if you've ever kept in contact with him, but um, is he aware that, you know, this character was based on him? Because I think that's kind of cool. I have to actually find him and let him know. <laughs> it's been years since I've seen him. He's, like, all grown up. I think I saw him on a Facebook post once, and he's, like, all grown up with, like, like 20 years old. I'm just like, God, I knew you when you were 10. Like, it's so insane. But uh, I'm definitely going to tell him, like, hey, this is you. <laughs> let's get into the rest of your creative team and as far as like the process and choosing you know who would also help bring the story out to life okay well sean i actually met that year we were at special edition with you i actually met sean then oh get out of here <laughs> I met sean, and that is when i was like i need a comic artist and he's like well what's the story i'm like give me your email address <laughs> so i knew that i loved him when he sent me the first three pages of eventide when Maggie's still in the subway, I was like, this is beautiful, and you are never allowed to leave. So, <laughs> he's been so incredibly patient with us. So much stuff has happened since we met him that life happened, and yada, just, it was so insane. It was such an insane time, and that fact that he's even stuck with us this long says a lot about him. Um, I appreciate him. We appreciate him. I mean, when he's drawing, and he's like, hey... 
can I switch this panel for this? I'm like, just do you. <laughs> like, I, I trust that you know the story well enough. I trust that you understand the story that we're trying to tell. And I trust that you know these characters. So at some points when he's like, oh, what if we switch this panel? We make this panel. You're like, do you? Like, it's great. Um, it's awesome. And Marcus, I actually met earlier this year. Marcus I met because Sean originally was going to letter it. And then he was worried about his time. He was like, I don't think I can have it lettered in time. Can you find somebody else? So I asked a girlfriend of mine, Shay Grayson, who actually also happened to be on that panel, a special edition. Well, shout out to her, by the way. She is so awesome. So I just, you know, if you don't mind me, you know, interrupting, just to give her a quick shout out. Super cool. Yes. Oh, no worries. I love Shay. I love Shay to death. Like, I think I spent the night at her house, like, a year and a half ago for, like, two weeks. <laughs> it, was just, it was awesome. She's amazing. But, um... I hit her up and I was like, I need a letter. Who you got? And she's like, well, I've this guy Marcus did the letters for my comics. And I hit up Marcus and that blossomed into such an amazing relationship because he is a great, great guy. He's smart. He's good at his craft. He knows what he's doing. Even as far as illustration, he knows what he's doing. And then he ended up introducing me to his friend, Vic, who happens to be a 3D printer. Um, spoiler alert, 3D printing images of Morpheus as keychains that we're going to sell on the website. Oh, no way. <laughs> Which, you know, we should just throw out what the website is. <laughs> the website is grubmachine.co. Anyway, so so much stuff has come from Marcus, from me knowing Marcus. He's an incredible guy. Oh, sorry. Just to uh, interrupt really quickly here. Please definitely visit the website because we have a uh, sign-in. You can kind of sign up for the newsletter that we're going to be creating so you can keep up to date with what we're doing and where we are and stuff like that. So definitely do that. And plus, um, on the release date, we're going to be giving away a bunch of free copies, uh, about five free copies. So definitely sign up and, you know, take a shot. What's the release date exactly? October 31st on Halloween. Nice. On Halloween. Dope. It's not technically New Comic Book Day, but I was, it's the day four, so, you know, <laughs> whatever. Though now I think about it, I kind of wish more trick or treaters were willing to give away comic books instead of candy at this point in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I can relate to that. I can. The book's been looking fantastic, and I know you mentioned that it's been a very long time working on getting this book out. As you said, life happens, but by the same token, anything worth doing does take time. And I think it's also not only impressive, but also inspiring that you've all worked so hard at this and made sure that no matter what, like this book came out. And I'm just very thankful that things are starting to come together and it will be out. So I will just say kudos to you and your team for pulling together on this. Thank you. Thanks so much. You know, you kind of tease a little bit that uh, people are going to die. So, you know, how grim is this going to get? Like, <laughs> We're going to hit you in the field. We're definitely going to do that. Like, we're aiming for that. But it's not, like, a depressing, or it's not going to get so heavy that you can't, like, feel like, yeah, I'm done with this. It's definitely exciting. It's adventurous, and the powers that they get are awesome. And we have so many other characters that are going to come into play later that aren't there initially at the story. And when those people get back, every character comes in, it's going to get so much more intense and it's going to be awesome, but I just want people to know that it's, it's not like a kid-like comic. It will get heavy, and you will feel those hits when they come. And I think that's just because people are going to be emotionally invested in these characters. I really think that each of them has something that people can relate to. Each of them has something special about them. So you're going to be invested, and when something happens to them, you're going to feel that. I think that's a good thing. <laughs> to, to kind of piggyback off that, yes, we, we will be coming, making it a little bit heavier. Um, then I guess like your normal um, 
kiddish, if you will, comic, but it, it won't be like Game of Thrones. Okay. <laughs> All right, so we're not going to get that heavy into it. <laughs> you know, not the same thing about Game of Thrones. It's an excellent show, but it's, we won't be going that deep, you know. We still want it to be fun and relatable and um, kind of perk your imagination here. So that's, that's what we're trying to go for. Definitely. I've been seeing you know, on social media, like the character profiles that you've been writing up. So I don't know if you want to get into a little bit of the actual like core group of the book. Sure. Uh, okay. So the main character is Connor Wood. Connor lives in a group home, actually, because parents died years ago when he was a kid. His best friend is Rose Chung, whereas Connor is more goofy and kind of like a class clown. Rose is the sarcastic, snippy one. <laughs> so that's kind of her deal. But she's also very compassionate, which I think is a very vital part of her character and a very vital part of how she plays into this team. Uh, then you have Ethan, who's personally my favorite. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ethan's kind of like the jock meets classroom brainiac kind of deal. And he and Connor, they have their issues, which comes into play later. You kind of figure out why they have so many issues. But they argue and they kind of fight a lot at first and it's, it's difficult for them. But they definitely have, uh, later on, the strongest friendship out of any of them. They're definitely the closest. They get each other. And um, their animals kind of link up that way, too. Uh, then you have Corey. Corey's kind of my it girl. She uh, She's popular. She's captain of the volleyball team. She's student body president. She has long blonde hair. She's gorgeous. She's wonderful. Um, but she has kind of a darker element to her that most people aren't aware of, which I really want to bring to light in her animal. Her animal is the darkest out of the whole group. And so that kind of plays on. That's an interesting kind of tense relationship that I really like to play with. Um, and then lastly, we have Logan. Logan's dad is like a kind of technology mogul. <laughs> so he's very rich and he's kind of the new kid in town. So he doesn't really have any friends at all when he meets them. And I guess it's kind of it's kind of like when you put in um, when you make things work out on purpose. So like this crew, obviously, they only come out at night to fight the yokai. So right. it's like, where are we going to cross? A place to go. And it's like, oh, Logan's got a mansion when parents that don't care. Let's go there. So it kind of. He kind of plays off that way, but um, he's definitely out of the out of the entire group. He's definitely the most cynical because he's been around so many wealthy people, so many fake people. He's kind of very, very cynical, and this is the first time that he actually has a group of friends that he feels like really understand him and that he can really understand. And in that respect, it makes Logan that much more lovable as a character when you really watch him kind of open up to them. Uh, it's it's very special. I always like team books or team stories, like, you know, I mentioned Power Rangers earlier and, you know, the X-Men, things like that, where, yes, there are a group of people who either have abilities or they don't have abilities that are forced to work together. But I always like those stories where at least there's a little bit of, I don't want to say conflict, like everybody hates each other, but actually showing them, like, having to, like, really just learn how to just be a cohesive unit because with everybody has their own personalities, their own quirks. And, you know, I'd imagine much like working on a comic book or anything else, like any collaborative effort to have to, you know, listen to, to trust and to kind of be able to communicate and having to really just learn how to be a team. Like, you know, you don't just get a bunch of people together on the offset and all, you know, people can't click, but, you know, it usually takes time to really build on a group. And I think that's kind of a nice dynamic that you have going with this book. The central theme was pulled from uh, The Breakfast Club. 
you know, we, we were influenced a lot by that, by these kids who were kind of forced into a situation that they didn't want to be there anyway. But by being there, by opening up, by going through experiences, they kind of learn about each other. And then by the end of the movie, I'm not going to say they're, you know, exact friends, but they're a lot closer than with it when they started. And we did, we, we want to focus or uh, pay attention to a lot on the, um, kind of like a, a natural progression of these, these kids coming to come together. A couple of the kids already know each other. You know, in that regard, it's not going to be like Power Rangers where the first episode they get powers and now they're like all, you know, kick flipping all buildings. And <laughs> they're all cool now, but it's like, it definitely wants to be like, first the kids don't even want to be here. And then they don't, they don't like the kids that they're with. And then over time, things will happen. And it's like, okay, well, now we kind of have to do this. So now they're grudgingly doing this. But then over time, it's like actual real family is, is born here. That's what we're kind of focused on. We, we, we definitely want the action and, and the hero, but we definitely want that, that, uh, Emotion, that camaraderie, there we go, thank you, that is built, you know, over time through kind of going through stuff with your friends. Right. And it's why I love books like the X-Men. You know, it's like, as far as the Avengers, it's sort of like, okay, we're working together, but we're almost like, it's a job, you know what I mean? Like, they kind of clock in to save the day, whereas, like, with the X-Men, they're all just living in this mansion, just trying to figure themselves out. And some of these people have, you know, part of my friends have seen some shit, you know, so you get them together. So it's not necessarily going to be very easy going from the start. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. What was it that you may have either read or watched in your younger years that made you want to start creating comics? I've loved comics since I was a kid. My dad was very, very heavy into Batman around the time that I was born. And so, growing up, Batman the Animated Series was what me and my dad would watch. I'd sit in his lap on the couch, and we'd watch Batman and Superman. <laughs> the Batman and Superman Adventures on Duck Kids WV, and that was, like, our, our thing. And so, it always kind of stemmed from there, the love of comics and the love of comic characters, the love of heroes. But then, also, when I was a kid, um, I used to read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe over and over and over again. And my grandmother, when I was 11 years old, she gave me the most beautiful, most stunning copy of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, all in one book. It was enormous. And it had, like, the pull-out map of Middle-earth and everything, and I was, I loved that book. I didn't take my eyes off it until I finished it. So for me, stories have always been there. They've always been a part of who I am, and I always loved them. And it's it's the weirdest thing. I've, I've just, I've always, always loved them. But again, it wasn't until in 10th grade when Jake Singer was like, well, why don't you try it? You know, why don't you give this a shot? And I, that's when I started. I just kind of started playing around like, hmm, what if he did this? Oh, no, what if he did that? And kind of mixing up characters that I already knew and I was already familiar with, kind of finding my voice in the midst of all that. And I've, I've loved it my entire life. Like, I can't remember a time that I didn't know who Batman was. Like, <laughs> I knew who he was before. I, like, I've decided. Like, I must have known who he was when I when I came out. I was like, Batman. <laughs> it was like first words, Batman. Like we don't even know how she knew that, but it was the first words. <laughs> I think I, I always blame my dad. He likes to like to not create credit for it, but I'm just like, Dad, you know you. I was like, does your dad know my dad? It sounds about right. Like, my dad had this whole thing about, you know, oh, you know, you read too much comic books. But I'm like, who do you think handed me my first one? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my gosh, my dad. I'm, I'm going to send him this, a copy of this, and he's going <laughs> to do it. I'm going to be like, yeah. That's for you, Brian Gaines. My dad did reversed. I actually started with uh, the cartoons and moved the comics. So the cartoons that kind of got me into um, loving this with, like, classic, like, Thundercats or... Uh, gargoyles or you know 
Toonami came along, which brought me to this glorious world of anime. And, you know, then you, as my time, the Batman anime series is on, Superman anime series is on, um, X-Men's on, you know, so you kind of, I kind of fell in love with that. And then, you know, you start branching onto other stuff. Uh, I don't know if you remember, sci-fi used to play anime at night yep. on certain days. So, yeah, you know, so I got into Fatal Fury and uh, Blue Sea, like all this other stuff. And it's like, now you're just like, you're in this world. And then I kind of got the comics a little bit later. You know, I was I was always interested in it. It's funny because I used to draw it a lot, actually, uh, back in um, high school, middle school, a little bit of college too. Me and my friends would we would make our own little comics, if you will. Uh, they were terrible comics. It was like six panels on a page, but we <laughs> loved it. You know, we worked hard on it. You know, we had scripts, and uh, then you start the whole fan fiction phase. You know, so I am proudly addicted to fan fiction. I just want that to be <laughs> clear for the record. <laughs> I was so enamored. I was just in in this world, and I kind of felt a little bit out of it. Not the world itself, but doing it for myself. Um, The actual creative side of it, a little bit in college, because, you know, things are happening. You're kind of figuring out where you're going to go in life. Um, So I kind of dropped that side of it for a little bit. But when Kim came along, and she was telling me her ideas, and I started off as kind of like, it's something she can just throw ideas off of. Like, okay, well, what would just happen to this? And like, oh, I'll do this. And then we kind of go do that back and forth. And eventually, um, she was like, you know, you're actually really good at this. Why don't you just do this? <laughs> you know, so then it's like a light bulb goes, on. oh, I, I guess I could, you know. But, but of course, it's not that easy. You have to now go through the, the creator's trials and tribulations here. But, you know, right. now it's kind of, it's stupid because now it's like, why didn't you do this before, you know? You don't think about it at first, but, you know, starting is probably the hardest part. And, I mean, yes, continuing to work and continuing honing your craft is always difficult because, you know, there's some days where you just don't really feel like it. But I think just making that declaration to be like, you know what, I want to do this and to actually just move forward, even, you know, through all the growing pains, that's probably the most important step. I'm always enthralled by people's inspirational stories, and a lot of them are very much like, hey, why don't I try this out? And not realizing that saying that, their whole world's changed. And like you said, it's like, oh, why didn't I do this sooner? And it's like, well, if you did, you know, maybe the groundwork hadn't been laid yet. You know, I think about all this stuff I'm into now. It's like, had it not been for all those hours spent in front of my TV, (laughs) you know, I would have never been doing any of this. Uh, thank God for TV, right? <laughs> right? Well, you know what it is, though? We're spoiled, because I feel like as far as, generationally speaking, when it comes to, like, the 80s and early 90s, like, there was such a, like, this boom of just these really, like, just well-done animated series, and, you know, between, like you said, the Batman-Superman stuff and, you know, Gargoyles and... Batman, the animated series, to me, like, that's still my Batman. You know, it's like, I love, you know, Michael Keaton's cool, you know, Christian Bale's cool and all that, but... Kevin Conroy, like watching that show, like on Sunday nights on Fox, you know, with the lights out and just entering like this world that they created. It was just there's nothing that matches that. Totally agree with you. I mean, because we still watch it now. I mean, I don't think there's going to be a day when we do not watch it. But um, I actually have the Gargoyles box set upstairs. And what was so great about those shows is that they weren't afraid to kind of tell a true or not even a true, because obviously superheroes, but like a real story, you know, like they had right. characters who actual pain or actual strife. Like the story I always go back to, I tell Kim this all the time, is the one, I can't remember the name of it, it's like save my life right now, and I do apologize for that, but the one in Batman where 
he's dealing with that child star uh, who didn't grow. Oh, what was her name? It was like Baby Doll or something, right? It was such a, you know, obviously she's a villain and she's doing this stuff, but the fact that she she was having this pain because no one took her serious because she was a child act, like, that's a, you know, what, what do kids know about that? But you, you were so involved in that story. And then at the very end, I always come back to it when, you know, when she finally realized what she'd done and Batman kind of, like, holds her and, he's, and she does her catch line, you know, I didn't mean to. Like, that's, uh, I always, I'm getting this one just thinking about it right now. Damn, like, that was a heavy episode. I almost forgot about that one. <laughs> I honestly haven't seen work that well done in animation since Avatar The Last Airbender. It hit, and it was beautifully, beautifully done. Okay, people, I'm sorry. I love Korra, but she's not Aang. I'll just leave it at that, <laughs> okay? <laughs> but Aang's story, Aang's story was, again, that uniqueness, and they weren't afraid to try heavier things, to have heavier issues. Zuko, easily the best, the best characterization in years, in years. And I have not seen anything like it, not since. I, I hope, I really, really hope that somebody somewhere is making an animated series that's as intense as these ones. But I, I haven't seen it yet. I really haven't. I always gravitated towards those shows, you know, like those cartoons or animated series that had that deeper drama that, you know, they didn't dismiss it as just being, you know, just something to put on, you know, so to get way the kids can keep quiet. Like, you learned a lot from those. And I'm not saying that every show necessarily needs to be that, but I'm always appreciative of any, you know, creator or network that's willing to kind of tackle that and show that an animated show can be just as gripping as any novel, any movie, or any other type of medium. And I think it's we're still at this point as a culture, still trying to figure out cartoons. And I even, you know, going back to Eventide a little bit, Sean Dillon's art style, you know, your guys writing, like it feels much kind of like those series, you know? Like I can easily picture this being on par with like, let's say a Gargoyles or that type, because it just has that feel of, okay, yes, it is colorful, it's vibrant, it's something that's very eye-catching to both adults and kids, but not being afraid to at least show, like, hey, you know what? This may be, you know, something that they could read, but they will get something out of this. It has substance. It's, it's not just playing around. Yeah. That's like the highest compliment you could ever do. It really ever. is. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. We were inspired by that, so it's kind of like our take on that, you know? It, it, it's our way of putting it back into the world, like... Um, creating the show that we want to watch and yeah thank you as soon as you said it was on a par of gargoyles i'm gonna get it back with like <laughs> so happy you can say that <laughs> we've been creating this for so long so we have our ideas about it but you know it was always nervous it's always nerve-wracking excuse me when other people kind of have their take on yeah. it. it's like uh <laughs> especially because obviously we wrote it so we know what's going to happen and it's kind of like that freak out moment. Like, I really hope people like this very first one, not knowing any of the stuff that's coming soon. So it's, it's kind of like, it's like this panic moment. Like, will they like it? Will like it? <laughs> I'm a firm believer, like, when it comes to creating anything, is that you do obviously have to make something that the audience will appreciate and will latch onto. But at the same time, you yourselves have to be into it. And no matter what you do, like, that passion and that appreciation and the love of what you do will come through. And I think especially now that we're getting so much great material from, you know, indie comics and, you know, indie creators that... You know, there's so much more out there and people can find an audience that, you know, maybe was a little harder to get before. 
But once you guys are cool with it, like, I think it'll come out and everybody else will gravitate towards it too. But ultimately what I was getting at is you two made the comic that you wanted to see. You have to really be fully satisfied with what you're making and be behind it. You know, like you said, you're as big a fan of the characters, you know, as anybody else. And I think that's what people will see because, you know, what's the point of creating something if you're like, ah, I made this thing. I'm not really into it, but yeah, maybe someone else is, you know, like I love that people get on the show and it's like, yeah, shit. Yeah, I love my stuff. <laughs> yeah, good point. Good point. Shoot, see, now you got me talking about all these old cartoons, and a couple of weeks ago, found out that, you know, Batman the Animated Series is on uh, Amazon Prime Video, and just been, like, revisiting that, and not in a, oh, how did we get to watch this as kids, but it's more of like a, wow, we are really fortunate, like, this is even better now than I thought it was. Yeah, Definitely. yeah. I mean, because like, like you said, even now, you can pop that on, and it's, you still... I mean, obviously you know what's going to happen, but you still get the same kind of feel. It's like, wow, this is, that was a deep, like you said, that was a deep story. Or, oh, that was very interesting. You know, so you think about it and it still hits you. Uh, maybe, or, or, you know, maybe, I guess it kind of, it kind of like brings you back to your childhood a little bit. And that's kind of what you want something like that to do, you know? Favorite episode of Batman the Animated Series ever, hands down. Season four, PK was Nightwing and Tim Drake was the new Robin. That episode, Growing Pains. When Tim Drake fell in love with that girl, but it turned out that she was a piece of clay face that he had sent out, that episode destroys me every time. Every freaking time. He loved that girl so much. And when he found out that she was clay face and he had to destroy her, it was, oh my God, oh my God, emotional. <laughs> it was so emotional. The first episode of Clayface, like that was a rough one. His whole uh, creation and two Clayface, yeah, yeah, definitely that freak out where like he starts going through all the characters where like he's having a hard time like keeping himself together like that was almost nightmarish to me as a kid but again you know looking back i'm like man this is such good stuff but at the time i first saw that i'm like my eyes are half closed i'm like wow this is kind of disturbing but i can't look away (laughs) i do have to ask and i know this is maybe looking too far into the future now that Tide's coming out and Grub Machine has been in full effect for quite some time, any other like plans or ideas that you know you can possibly hint at as far as like any future projects? There is another project on the horizon. <laughs> um, right now, I'm looking for a concept artist to start drawing it out. Actually, I think I found her, but we'll find out. Anyway, but um, it's it's a series called House of Thieves, and it's sort of our take on Japanese anime, like that classic Naruto-type, Bleach-type shonen, but it's called House of Thieves. It's intense. There's a ton of characters, a ton of backstory, a ton of everything, but I'm, I'm very, very excited about that one because that one's been in the works for a while. Nice. Well, you said Bleach, so I'm already in, so I'm, I'm good. You're going to love this. You're going to love House of Thieves. I know I pissed a lot of people off when I say, like, I wasn't super into Naruto, but no, Bleach was my life for a very long time. It always has been my life, except the ending, because I recently heard that Ichigo married Orihime, and Rukia married Renji, and after at that point, I was like, you know what, I'm not even going to pick this up anymore, because it's going to make me upset. Wait, what? I hate Orihime, I really do, deep down in my soul, like, I hate her. <laughs> <laughs> Because she doesn't 
do anything. And it felt like such a cheap cop-out because to me, the, the relationship that was developed was between Ichigo and Rukia. That relationship was developed. They went through everything together. They fought together. They almost died together. Like, that relate. there's a reason that they are as close as they are. And it was like, but you go with Orihime? Like, oh my gosh, she used to bother me. And what, what's she always say? Like, Kusaki, Kusaki. Every time, and I was like, "I hate you. I want you to die." <laughs> now that I think about it, I feel at least it is kind of sweet because I know that she was also close to Rinji, but I don't know if it ever really lent that type of relationship. I know that you know they grew up together, and you know they went through all this, but I never saw their relationship being romantic. Yeah, uh, definitely. Oh man, see now I gotta go back into the ending because I haven't really checked out on Bleach since Eisen finally being taken out and then they did this thing that that full bringer arc and I was starting to read that in the manga but then I kind of was like alright, you know what? The main thing I wanted to see happen, happened so I didn't really bother checking out the rest of it but man, now I gotta go back and see this for myself. There's like a whole nother arc after that too. I kind of... But it's just the manga. They didn't do the anime for that one? What was the arc after that? The arc after the Fullbringers was, um, if, if I got my timing right, it should have been the, like the Quince, uh, what's his name, Ishida? Yeah. The Quincy, he, yeah. his clan comes back, and they start bringing Oh. So, there's like a, there's like a, a Shinigami Quincy war. So, it's like, it, it's a whole nother thing going on. That was after the Fullbringers? That was after the Fullbringers. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, my bad, guys. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> Okay. I don't know if it was worth, you know, continuing the story, but that is kind of interesting because we still, there, there's very little things that, at least to my knowledge, we, you know, very little we knew about the Quincy. So I might have to go back and read the manga. Like, has that been collected at all? Like, or is it still being released? I do believe it's all been translated. So you should be able to get it all right now. Um, if not all of it, maybe like one book's off, not yet. But I think you should be able to uh, bleed right through it. All right, I'm going to have to check this out now, but um, I'm going to be looking forward to that. Um, but before we go, we were talking about the book. So if you want to like throw out real quick, um, you know, the book, um, you know, the website and any other, you know, social networking uh, sites you want to plug before we head out. Okay, um, so the book is called Eventide. Again, just one more time for the people in the back. That's Eventide. It looks like Eventide because that's technically how you pronounce it according to the dictionary. <laughs> but um, a friend of mine, Derek, once I... I asked him what he saw when he saw the word, and he's like, Eventide. And I was like, really? That sounds so much better than Eventide. So, guys, it's Eventide. <laughs> uh, but you can check it out on grubmachine.co. You can also check out our Instagram, grubmachine.co. Um, and make sure you sign up for emails so you could be one person to win a free copy. And definitely it will be available to buy online on Halloween. So we're so, so excited. We really want you guys to check it out because we honestly think you'll like it. I mean, I know we wrote it, so we're kind of so required to say that, but honestly, like, I really think he does like it. <laughs> I'm currently in the process of creating a Instagram, so I can't, he's slow. I can't give you that night right now, but. Oh, wait, wait, my Instagram, my personal Instagram is Kim K. Gaines. Same as my Twitter, Kim K. Gaines. All right, cool. Well, again, thank you both. And for us, that'll do it for this episode of Adrian Has Issues, and we will see you next issue. Bye, guys.